0: You are listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Now faith is being confident of what we hope for, convinced about things we do not see. Got one more verse for you. Two is found in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is is really the hall of faith. It's a list of men and women uh, throughout the Bible who who lived a life of just just crazy faith, and so Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, it says this, "Each one of these people of faith died, not yet having in hand in hand what was promised, but still believing. Now just let that sink in for a second. Each one of these people of faith died not yet having in hand what was promised, and yet they were still believing. So they were on their deathbed, not yet stepping into the promise that God had for them, but they were still believing. How did they do it? Good question. They saw it way off in the distance, waved their greeting, and accepted the fact that they were transients in this world. This morning I want to talk to you from the subject, final destination, final destination. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for what you've already done in this place. We thank you for what you're going to do in this place. God, and we thank you for uh, the future of what you're going to do in this place. God, we believe the best is yet to come. And so, Father, right now we just want to set aside the next couple moments together to dive into your word. Jesus, you said that the word, scripture, is only as good as our hearts. And so we ask this morning that that our hearts would be pliable. That the seed that falls, that the word that falls on our heart, that it would produce a harvest. God, we want to leave here changed. We want to leave here better. Not for our own benefit but so that we can change the world around us. We love you. In Jesus' name. Come on, everyone say it. Amen. Amen. So I want to talk to you about balloons. Balloons. Son, Sammy, I have three kids. I have an almost nine-year-old. I have a six-year-old, and I have a 19-month-old. And so my 19-month-old Sammy is my youngest son, and I remember the first time we introduced balloons to him. It was a birthday party, and uh, he saw this balloon floating in the sky. And he would say, balloon, balloon. Oh. I thought it was cute. He's like, Baloo, And so we would, we would get it, hand it to him, and he would hold it, and he would just, ah. He, like, he loved this Balloon. In fact, he loved it so much, there was this one time his siblings, I don't remember which one, came and they took the balloon from him and my son just, he started screaming and I was like, give him the balloon back. Like he loved this balloon. My kids tried to steal it from him and he freaked out because he loved it so much. Now, one thing about my son, he has really long nails, and, uh, and so he was holding the balloon. He's like, ah, right? Like, he's like, ah. And we're like, uh, Sammy, it's going to pop. It's going to go boom if you squeeze it too hard. And he just looks at us like we're dumb. <laughs> and, and he just kept squeezing it and squeezing it until all of a sudden, one day, it popped like he when he was when he was, he, when he was squeezing, and he was like, ah, and he screamed, and he started crying, and I wanted to say, I told you so, but because he's my youngest, I picked him up, and I was like, ah, oh, it's okay. We tried to give him a balloon to replace the balloon that he just popped, so we had another one. We gave it to him, and it's funny because his reaction towards the balloon now was not but he was actually scared of it. We handed him the balloon. He's like, ah. My kids tried to take the balloon from him. He just let them. Like, he didn't care. Like, it, something in his mind shifted in the way that he saw the balloon. Now, i tell you this story because I think it really can apply to <laughs> the context of what we've been talking about the past two weeks, this idea of faith, of having faith in God, having faith that he's created you for a purpose, and having faith that he has something in store for your life. And so this faith, uh, it's, it's so vital, it's so important to you in my life. And yet I know so many people, close friends, close roommates, who have all of a sudden, they, they lost their faith. They lost their faith in God. They lost their faith in the fact that they were created for a purpose. They lost their faith in this idea of that, that God. And I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about this idea of how, how someone could just have faith in one moment, and then no faith at all. And then I was like, so this is like percolating in, in my mind. All of a sudden, I started getting mad at the devil. I'm like, oh, devil, oh, you're such a bully. And I'm like, I'm like getting upset, right? How can you take people's faith? And I'm getting really mad. And in this moment, I really feel like God was speaking to me. And, and, and this is what I feel like God was was sharing with me. That, that the devil. That the enemy, he doesn't have to steal your faith. All he has to do is change the way that you see your faith. My son, the balloon, he didn't, my kids, as soon as that incident happened, as soon as he saw the balloon a different way, he didn't care if anyone took the balloon from him. And so, me thinking, what if our perspective? is vital to maintaining our faith. What if the way that we see our faith will determine whether or not the enemy can distort it? And so what I want us to do uh, for the next couple moments together is, I want us to look at what happens when our faith becomes distorted. What it looks like when your faith becomes distorted, when my faith becomes distorted, and so here, here's the first one for all you note takers out there. Uh, when, when your faith becomes distorted, your blessings look like burdens. When your faith is distorted, your blessings look like burdens. See, we did this. The people of uh, Israel they're, they're they've been enslaved for hundreds of years uh, under the, the reign of, of, of Egypt, and uh, they begin to cry out, God, help us. We need you. Save us. And the, and the scripture says that God hears their voice, and he calls this man Moses. And he says, Moses, I need you to free my people. So Moses listens. He goes, for those of you that don't know the story, this is just recap clip notes, Hello audible. And they get there, and then he frees them, right? And then they they start wandering in the wilderness. And all of a sudden, they begin to murmur, and they begin to complain. That's what they say in Exodus chapter 16, verse The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat, And ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out. You have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Here they are. They're free. They're out of Egypt. and And they're complaining. The very thing that they wanted God to do. The very thing, God, free us from Egypt. They're now free. And now all of a sudden their freedom seems like a curse. All of a sudden their freedom seems like something like, ah! It's so much work. It was so much better in Egypt. Ah." I don't know if you've ever been there, but this idea of the thing that you've been praying hard for, when God finally gives it to you, when you finally step into it, how it's so easy to, when things happen and it gets rough, to look at those very blessings that you were asking God for and to be begin to say, God, what is this? See, some of y'all were praying for a spouse. You got your spouse. well, <laughs> well. <laughs> Some of y'all are praying, God, give me that job. You got your job. Now I can't I'm my boss. The blessing becomes the burden when we have the wrong perspective of what God's giving you and me. So that's the first thing. Things look like burdens. The second thing that happens when our faith becomes distorted is the waiting looks like a waste the waiting looks like a waste we actually talked about this a little bit uh, last week in fact actually the whole message was this last week and so um but it's amazing here's the story of joseph he uh he's sold into slavery by his brothers his brothers betrayed him he gets falsely accused of rape okay and uh he, he, he's going through all of this stuff, and it gets him to this one place where he's able to help out his brothers. There's a famine in the land, and his brothers come to Egypt, and they're like, hey, we need, we need help. We need food. Watch what Joseph says. See, they're afraid of Joseph, but watch what he says. Joseph says in Genesis chapter 50, verse 19 and 20. So they're afraid because they realize that the, that the person that is in charge of giving them food is the very person that they sold, the very person they threw in the pit. So they're afraid. They, they, they think that, that Joseph is going to retaliate. And verse 19, it says, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? And I think that's actually a beautiful statement. He's saying, don't be afraid of me. I'm the man. Jesus actually says in Matthew, he says, don't fear the person that can, body, fear the person that can kill your both body and soul. Like, so Joseph is like, why are you afraid of me? I'm just a person. In verse 20, he goes on and says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So, Joseph, he's saying, I went through all of these things just to get to this moment right here, just to get to the final place of where God was bringing me to, to help you guys. I went through all the betrayal, I went through all the accusations, I went through all of the chaos and the hurts and the pains. Just to get me to stand in front of the very people that betrayed me, and I'm supposed to help you? This is what's going on in this text. See, Joseph, he could have replied, done, forget, guards off with their heads. All right, like that would have been my response. God's still working on me. But he didn't do that. Instead, he said, He instead of of retaliating and getting angry at them, he said, God was using that for this moment. God was using all of the, the, the waiting time. It wasn't for a waste, there was a point. No, I do want to say this because I know you could look at me and I don't know what you're going through, where you're at. You could be like, John, how could you say that? I, I do want to say this. God, he, 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 God, whatever hardship you're going through, I don't believe that God caused it to happen, but I believe God can use it for his glory. So Joseph, though he went through so many hard things, he wasn't saying, God, put me there because whatever. He said, but but God was using it to elevate me to get to the next place. He was like, God's intention for my life was not that this place of, of, of torment and toil was, was for a waste, but he was using it to bring me to the next place that he has for. I want to speak to whoever in here is going through something right now. It's not a wasted season. It's not a wasted time. Whatever you're dealing with, it doesn't have to be for waste. It doesn't have to be for not. God can turn it around and use it for good. He can turn around and he can use it for you to build someone else up that's going through the same thing. Come on, you don't get a test without the testimony. He's building it up right now. And I know it's hard, but it's not for waste. It's not a wasted time. Hold on. Keep going. And so the waiting looks like a waste when our faith becomes distorted. And this third one, the final thing that happens when your faith becomes distorted. God doesn't look that good anymore. When your faith becomes distorted, God doesn't look that good anymore. We see this in the garden in Genesis. God created, we believe that God created um, God created everything in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. But in those six days, he created man and, and woman. And uh, for those of you that aren't familiar with the story, God was like, hey, Adam and Eve, you can have, you can eat from any tree, any tree, except for one. Come on, vegans, hey, <laughs> yeah, parties in Oma County. So you can eat any, <laughs> you can eat from any tree. Except for one, Adam and Eve, from the text, they clearly are like, okay, cool, that's fine. Eve wanders away and she stumbles. Uh, she 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 uh, stumbles into the serpent, and the serpent begins to to question her about how delicious that one fruit from that one tree looks, and Eve is like, no, we can't. God said, we can't have that. And the serpent says, did he really say that? (laughs) Oh, some of y'all were falling asleep. Thought if I hissed, y'all would be like, engaged. I'm engaged right now. (laughs) Focus, John Peter. Um, (laughs) And so... So he's like, did he really say that? Did he really? And then watch what he says in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 5. He's like, Eve, this is really why God doesn't want to eat from that fruit. Because for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Your eyes will be open. Notice what he's doing is he's distorting God's intentions. He's framing it so if you eat from this fruit, the reason why God doesn't want you to do it It's because he doesn't want you to be as good and powerful and cool as he is. And Eve is like, oh. And in that moment, Eve's perception becomes distorted. Because the serpent, he paints this picture of a god that is selfish, and only wants to to hinder what see, he only this paints this picture that that God is only trying to hinder what Eve and Adam could consume. When, in fact, that's not the case right? because God said, hey, you can have any fruit from any tree except for one. But the, but the serpent was, no, 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 no. You can't eat from this one? God's keeping you back from this one? You see what he's doing? Wait, God's holding you back from getting this, from stepping into into This? He's beginning to question God's. If God was really good, he would let you up any tree. You see what he's he's painting? This picture. See, if he can, the enemy will try to paint a picture of who God is, as not a God that is loving. And caring and for you, and has something, f- and like wants to do something for you, and has called you. If he can, he wants to paint a picture of a God that's wanting to hold you back. He's wanting to paint a picture of a God that doesn't want you to have fun. He's painting a picture of a God that is just so, like, full of rules. And he uses anything. He used a fruit for Eve. He will use anything to try and and, and get you to think that something looks more desirable than God's goodness. He's like, God's good, but this bottle is better. God's good, but this is better. and you'll paint it. And if we're not careful, we will allow these, these things to distort our faith. And when our faith is distorted, our perception of who God is and what He's called you to do and what he's called, who He's called you to be becomes distorted. And so, how, how do we get to the place where, where, we can, where we can begin to just have the correct perception of the faith that God has for us? And I think back in verse 13 of Hebrews 11 is the answer. It said that they saw it way off in the distance. They're lying in their deathbed. They haven't reached the promise yet. But they were still believed. See, the perspective of their current situation never outweighed the perspective of their final destination. I'll say that again. Their final perception, their perspective of their current situation did not outweigh the perspective of the final destination. How do we go through life holding on, treasuring our faith without letting it become distorted? It's by understanding that my current situation is for a season. It's for a time. That in faith, even though I don't see it right now, come on somebody, even though I don't see it right now, Coming up in the future, I'm believing in faith that this is not my final destination. That there's something more that He has for me. And if I can see that, and if I can believe that, I can keep my perspective on the final destination, I can keep it locked. So whatever's going on around me, yeah, it stinks, yeah, I hate it, yeah, it's not fun. But my eyes are fixed, not on my current situation, but on my final destination. Thank you for listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Remember, we will have a new message for you every Monday at 5 p.m. Make sure to like and subscribe, and you will be notified when a new episode is ready for listening.